the Shrews Views series, the Shropshire Stars Shrewsbury Town podcast, where me, Johnny Jury, and Salat Man in the No Lewis Cox chew over all things Shrewsbury Town. Uh, the last episode was the first one in a very, very long time, and I hope all you Salat fans who tuned in and listened to it enjoyed it. This week, same again, we'll be bringing you 40, 40 odd minutes of Salat chat, Salat analysis. Um, and this week, Lewis will be answering the questions from you, the Salop fans. But first of all, Coxie, how's things going? You all right, my friend? Steady, mate. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Hope you're well. Um, again, back slightly back into the swing of it, aren't we? We had the first um, town friendly, obviously, this week at Telford on Tuesday night. Um, we've got another one coming up on Friday, haven't we? Home to Burnley. I think you're coming along to that as well, aren't you? I am, certainly. I'm quite insane. So, um, yeah, first home game as well. Um, yeah, yeah, getting back into the swing of it slowly, you know, we'll bat an eyelid and it'll be the start of the League One season, won't it? Um, so a couple of bits more have happened, obviously, since um, since we last spoke. Town have been away, haven't they? They had a game out there, then they didn't have a game out there and instead had fans for an open training session, which went well and obviously the first friendly. So, yeah, and one more sign, I think I'm right in saying. So, yeah, a bit to get stuck into. Certainly stuff to get stuck into. We'll start backwards. We'll start with uh, with last night. This is going out, well, I say last night. This is going out Thursday. We're recording Wednesday. So we'll start with Tuesday, Tuesday yeah, when yeah. Uh, Salah went to the Bucks' head for the annual preseason friendly. Good run out, nil-nil. Uh, just to kick us off, here's a, a little bit from Steve Cottrell from uh, after the game. Just a good workout for the boys, really. You know, obviously we mixed it up a little bit and... Um... Put a couple of young lads out there in the first half, and then and then uh, um, in the second half, obviously the new boys come into it. I need them to have a little look at things. We haven't done too much teamwork at this moment in time. Obviously, a lot of it has been the physical side of it. So, really, only you can only judge really the physical side of it tonight. And the physical side of it, I thought we looked good in. Um, so, yeah, no no problems with any of that. It's going to take a little while to get some. Uh, the movements and the patterns into them again because you know there's a few new players into it so um yeah I, just a good workout really which is what all you want from pre-season yeah, no injuries that's what steve cox had to say after shrewsbury's nil nil draw with telford lewis that's probably all it is really isn't it pre-season friendly minutes in the legs yeah yeah i mean we did a brief video after the game didn't we tuesday night and um i'm always sort of loathe to read too much into any pre-season friendly result I have to say I mean if, you, if you're talking about maybe the final friendly before the season and it's a big win or a big defeat you know maybe you pay a bit more attention but certainly when you're playing the first one and it's you know okay people might look at it and say a league one team should beat a national league north team but it it doesn't work like that does it and you know a heavy win over Telford or even a defeat you know to Telford or what would in my opinion mean very little going into that first game of the league one season you know especially your first friendly you got players playing together for the first time you've got young players involved more fringe players involved you know it's it's not really a true accurate depiction of necessarily where the team is now but certainly where the team is for the opening day isn't it and you know it's, it is a cliche a tired cliche at this time of the year that's um that always does the rounds and it isn't very exciting but it is about fitness and that's what they've been doing in spain that's what they've been doing at sundown then you go into friendlies and you get that bit more match fitness, don't you? A bit of match sharpness. Obviously not the competitive stuff, but still a 90-minute workout in 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 sort of muggy heat, by the way, the conditions we've been having. It won't necessarily been easy for the players. They've been facing a, you know, they faced a competitive Telford side. I think everyone, you know, 2,000 people at the book said the other night saw that 
that was a decent Telford side. You know, they they look in a good place. Certainly, I would say a better place than they looked this time last year. So good opposition it was, even though National League, National North Telford. Um, it's all about building up the minutes in those legs, the the fitness levels, and obviously as the manager touched on as well, avoiding injuries, which um, like we know Aidan O'Brien and Elliot Bennett, you know, were not involved, and we'd have to perceive and assume those are little niggles and hopefully nothing more serious than that but no injuries picked up on Tuesday night and, and that's the most important thing yeah in terms of the new boys we touched on it on our on our video post-match but I just see these new boys making an impact you had Jay Dunklitz at half um, yeah. second half Tom Bayliss and, and Jordan Shipley came on who, who were going to be uh, uh, if anything adding quality but also adding bodies to that midfield yeah yeah midfield is very light yeah we saw well, we saw, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we saw Chad Dunkley and Taylor Moore start of the new boys, didn't we? And and they're the two centre half recruits, albeit, you know, we're told Taylor Moore can be a versatile player coming in on loan from Bristol City. Um, and he showed that, didn't he, at Telford? He had to play defensive midfield, um, you know, just sitting in front of that back three. And, you know, you could argue that's because there probably isn't a natural defensive midfielder in at this point. I mean, Taylor Moore can obviously play there. You know, it remains to be seen if he has been bought in on loan with that intention, you know, to have a season there. You know, Luke Lee can play there. I think it's pretty fair to say Luke Lee can can play there. Also, you you know, you don't know if the midfield three might consist of two sort of sixes and a, a, and a more advanced midfielder in front of them. We're not, not sure yet, although you'd imagine it'd be the one as, as it has been under the manager. Um, but again, Luke Lee is a... He's a playmaker, isn't he? He makes things happen with the ball with his excellent left foot. So he's not someone who you want really flying into tackles, breaking up play, shielding the defence. So, yeah, interesting to see Taylor Moore there. I, you know, we can't claim to know at this point. I mean, there are, including Moore, there are five very good centre halves at the club, you would say. And I include George Nurse in that. We spoke about this before. Fort Che Dunkley looked really solid and comfortable and organised in, in the back three, you know, with Matty Pennington one side of him, Tom Flanagan the other side of him. You know, some excellent defensive players, isn't there, at the club now who've played higher levels, who are, have looked really, really good and, you know, of, of a very good calibre at this level. I think the town looked really sort of set up and assured defensively. And I don't know if we're going off Tuesday night, which is, you know, perhaps we shouldn't go off it too much, you know, because... You know, nothing against nothing against young Josh Barlow in, in midfield and nothing against Raquel Pike at right wing back. You know, you'd be surprised if Town opened on, you know, in League One with, you know, an 18-yard in midfield and Raquel Pike, who's a forward at right wing back, wouldn't you? So you can't take too much from the lineup at Telford is what I'm going to say. But, you know, is, is you know, what what is going to be the first choice back three at the back? He's certainly got decisions and options to make. You know, hasn't he, Steve Cottrell? You've got someone of a very high reputation like Taylor Moore coming in, is he going to be able to oust, you know, Pennington, Flanagan, and and, and obviously Che Dunkley, who's been at seen it, done it at this level and the one above. It's, it's going to be really interesting. And that's not forgetting George Nurse, who had an excellent debut campaign. Obviously, we saw him at left wing back the other day. And, and that's another thing to solve, isn't it? Nurse played their first half at Telford. Luke Lee, who we've now... You know, come accustomed to being a midfielder, played their second half. So, two players who can play there played there, but I think we'd still all expect a left wing back to come in, wouldn't we, through the door? Um, as I say, that defensive midfield position, not quite having a natural one in, and that left wing back position, perhaps one in 
quality depth there that isn't quite there. It's certainly for me, are the two positions left left to sort. Um, and we'll get onto that later, no doubt, because I think there's another position in terms of up front that they might want to look at. But yeah, those positions, that that's what I, I, I took from, from Tuesday. Interesting to see Taylor Moore in a different position. And then we saw second half, wasn't it? The midfield boys you touched on, um, Jordan Shipley and Tom Bayliss come on second half and, and have a bit of a run around with De Costa at right wing back as well, who I thought looked lively and sharp. I mean, I don't know, don't know what you thought, Johnny, but yeah, there, there are a couple of them in, in I thought Bayliss had a, had a go. Yeah, had a couple of sharp runs. We saw what we thought we heard he was about in terms of a ball carrier, someone who likes to drop a shoulder and, and do a flick. And ditto De Costa, he just looked pacey down that right. He looked sharp, quick feet, an excellent cross. So a couple of good signs with, you know, obviously we saw five of the six new signings, didn't we, with, with O'Brien uninvolved, as I said. But I would say a good couple of plus signs, you know, with, with those five players we saw. And obviously... I suppose when we see them at the Meadow, what will it be tomorrow night against Burnley? Um, obviously, in that second friendly Friday night, um, I think we'll be able to gauge a bit more, you know, and as it goes to the one after that against Cardiff on, on the Tuesday, we'll perhaps we'll get a better feeling as to where these players are at, maybe both physically and, and tactically, ta you know, technically, tactically. I think it's it's hard to take too much, judge too much from a first friendly sort of, you know, against a side like Telford from a, from a tactical or... You know, even technical quality point of view, really necessarily. I think it's hard to to gauge it fully from that kind of friendly. Just confused fans. I told them we're recording on Wednesday. Now you're saying they're playing tomorrow. Everyone's going to be scrambling, thinking the game's on Thursday night. Oh, eh? No, no, I know, and I know our dedicated <laughs> fans are listening on Thursday. So you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm giving that time context. Yeah, Friday night, turn up at the Meadow. That's that's the day you need to be there. Yeah, don't turn up Thursday night. Definitely don't turn up Saturday. Um, Friday night, yeah. It should be a good one, shouldn't it? Against, you know, obviously Burnley just come down, being under Vincent Company now, making a few interesting signings, aren't they? So I'm quite looking forward to that one. Yeah, should be a good game. Just a final couple of other points. You mentioned Josh Barlow there. Big cut, as we say, you can't read much into pre-season performances. You can't read much into uh, selections. But for Josh Barlow to be given the nod last night, you know, quite a big moment for the kid, really. It shows that Steve Cottrell's got yeah. a he's well in his plans yeah yeah well yeah i mean we obviously his, his name uh the youngster's name first sort of came on the radar back end of last season he came down to charlton didn't he in the penultimate game of the season i can't quite remember i think it was um and he was on the on the bench then and you know we heard he'd, he'd captain the the 18s in in what was his first sort of season at the club um in in the scholarship he'd come from cheltenham where he's from um just heard he was of a very good character you know good sort of you know I think last night you said to me didn't you he looked he looked busy I think you said to me and yeah he, he you know he he didn't necessarily stand out to me as being a, a young overawed player I know he came off didn't he and, and and was obviously replaced by the new senior editions but I don't think he necessarily put a foot wrong I thought he put himself about um you know he's still on the 18 he's he's got quite a bit till he turns 19 as well I believe so you know, it will come for him in terms of the physical side of it. You know, obviously he's he's only young and he's still, you know, at this point looks quite slight, and that's because he is is a is a young kid. So um, that will come. Uh, but yeah, we saw him technically look sound enough for a few bits of um, you know moments with the ball and stuff like that. And but yeah, you're right. The the, the mere fact he started, I mean, he's one of actually two 18 year olds that started, wasn't he, with, with Tom Bloxham as well? Because Bloxham's been on the scene for so long. You kind of forget that he's also an 18-year-old and 
the manager pointed afterwards about a, a nod to youth with the side he set up in and yeah I think I think he you know Josh Barler will be training with the first team um, this season on a regular basis I expect that I think you know the management team think highly of him um, how much will we see him on the pitch in League One you know maybe that's a bit early maybe it'll be you know, he'll feature in the trophy games. Maybe he'll even have a loan. You know, maybe a loan will be good for him. I, I don't know. We saw Charlie Caton come on at the end, didn't we? Um, as a late, late substitute, perhaps. I know a few have said it. It feels like this season would be a good loan for Charlie. I was uh, going to say, is it time that Caton went out on loan? You know, yeah, he's been around he's, it now for two, two and a bit years. And he has been let's away be honest, you could, you yeah. could probably, it's an over exaggeration, but you could count his game time on probably one hand. You know, it's oh, yeah, you, you, but it's been quite limited. Yeah. Yeah, no, but yeah, you're right. And I know there was um, there was interest from Telford in taking him on loan last season. And that was sort of, um, that was before this official kind of partnership link up between the clubs. So you, you wonder if, well, I'd, I, yeah, I'd be quite surprised if a loan didn't come around for Case. And I think it could do in the world a good, you know, go and score a few goals and you know, experience that men's football side of it. But yeah, I, I, yeah, specifically on Barlow, you know, a lad we haven't seen much of. I think he, he caught your eye, didn't he? And, and same with me. And, you know, Bloxham had a couple of, right moments we expect hopefully bigger things from him this season and, and yeah I hope for Kate and sake he can play some regular football and you know deliver on the promise that we all sort of heard about you know 18 months a couple of years ago when he was he was breaking through he came with some promise I know plenty of people who say he's the best finisher at the football club in terms of being a natural centre forward and knowing the positions to take up so you know let's hope that can come to sort of fruition and he can deliver on it um, probably a big season for him uh, but yeah, there was there was yeah young Cade Craig on the bench, the defender. They've given a, a senior deal to um, the young goalkeeper Jaden Bevan as well, coming through the academy ranks. So they've they've offered out for a few, haven't they? And uh, it's always good to see you know sort of the scholars that do make it through take a pro and um, sort of the the pathway continuing because obviously a club like Shrewsbury needs that you know. And uh, it's as much about those coming through, isn't it? And 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 we hope you know Bloxham can blossom as as that sort of stand out one maybe do really well in the future make the club some good money and, and be a bit of a standard bearer for it it's, it's as important about them a club like shrewsbury surely isn't it as as the ones that are coming through on you know on money and and bigger and better wages you know yeah just finally on uh on last night slash tuesday night um any other point anything that stuck out for you or is it just all run of the mill pre-season you know i've seen two pre-season no, friendlies with two different clubs so far, and I'm going to see another one this evening. And I <laughs> and I hate preseason friendlies already. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Even though it's good to see players out there, is it a bit like, oh god? Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree, Johnny. To be honest, I mean, what you know, it was a good crowd last night, wasn't it? Two thousand. Um, atmosphere was good, yeah. Bed, yeah, seven hundred town fans in the away end. Obviously, their first glimpse of of the side because that, that that was the first friendly. Obviously, Telford have had a couple more friendlies, but that was Telford's first home friendly. So, good crowd. I. You know, Telford really um, gave it a good shot, didn't they? I, I think we said afterwards that Telford probably had the slightly better moments, even though Town probably had more at the ball and stuff. Territory, Telford were in a good good place. Um, from a Shrewsbury perspective, you know, interesting personnel-wise. We hope the omissions of O'Brien and, and Bennett, you know, don't don't mean they've got anything more serious than a little precaution, you know, precautionary niggle or anything like that. Um, I think we can take from it that there's a couple of positions that still need to be looked at, addressed, maybe filled in the market. You know, you wouldn't, even though they've addressed, you know, and the manager and, and, and Keith Burt have addressed 
you know, what what was the squad size? Obviously, it was very small before these six signings came in. You know, I think that it's it still, you know, needs a couple of bodies in terms of numbers and positions, you would say, having that competition and depth. Um, what else did we take? I don't know. I mean, interesting that, you know, interesting Dan Udo had the captain's armband. You know, I, I don't necessarily take that and think that means Dan Udo's favourite to be new club captain. You know, I think there's, you know, there's a lot more experienced bodies around him. Not that I don't think Dan can do it. You know, maybe it was something to do with being back at his old club. I, d- I don't know. But um, nice to see him with the armband. I'm sure he would have enjoyed that back at the, the book said in his hometown, of course, Dan as well. Um, interesting to see partnered Bloxham and Dinty Bowman until the second half, Ryan Bowman. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's much of a muchness, isn't it? I thought Luke, I thought Luke Lee, you know, sort of picked up. On from where he where he left off last season, obviously he won a lot of the awards in his debut campaign. And I said to you at one point, didn't he, that, that Lee just looked really composed, really technically sound, as as he always seems to, you know, knocking lovely passes around. I thought Matty Pennington looked really assured again at the back. Um, I know Jay Dunkley, the, uh, the the new recruit, and and actually Tom Flanagan as well had a, a little wobble each in the first off where they lost the ball with a loose touch and. On another day, Telford, you know, could have profited and, and scored from getting in. But um, yeah, you know, I'd, I th- I did note, and I think I wrote in in my match report actually, um, Johnny, on our website and in the paper that the town looked particularly lively from set pieces. I thought um, corners there were, there were quite a few. Lee's delivery was on point as it tends to be. Um, Elliot Bennett sometimes takes them, doesn't he? Obviously, he he was missing that night, but. Um, yeah, both Flanagan and Pennington got on a few, didn't they? Got on the end of a few of these corners. And Che Dunkley comes in with a promise of scoring goals as well. So you, you hope, you know, if those three are involved regularly, you hope that there's a real, you know, improvement, increase in, in you know, outcome in terms of goals, efforts on goals from corner set pieces. They've got excellent delivery. They've got big defenders that want to attack it, you know, um, as well as, Let's be fair, Udo Bowman, Bloxham, good sizes, good in the air. They they really, you know, you'd feel, I mean, George Nurse's long throw as well. It's a, it's a hell of a throw, as we know from last season. They're, they're really, I think, you know, I think the manager would, would go along with it, room to improve in that department in terms of, you know, better outcome uh, in terms of goals from set players. And we did see, hopefully, the start of that on, on Tuesday. A lot of, you know, Flanagan headed um, wide, had one headed just tipped over Pennington headed wide on another day they might have done better with those so yeah that is perhaps a, an interesting little take from it they and, and and by the way I mean I know I said this to you last night Telford are a big side Telford have big players um all through their side so you know they're going to be a side that profits from you know defending and attacking set players this season so considering town had a lot of joy in that department might bode well and be a very good sign hopefully yeah, fingers crossed. So that's Telford. Um, just rewinding back a little bit just to what's happened in the last couple of weeks since we were last with you. Uh, pre-season Salabra in Spain um, for their pre-season training camp. Uh, there was a late friendly replacement. Uh, Salabra used to play Qatar SC, um, a move that, that drew a bit of flack, certainly from the, the Pride Salopians group, the, the LGBTQ plus um, supporters group. Um, I know Salop sort of issued a statement and then I think quite quickly after the move was taken to cancel the game. I know this yeah. isn't the first time it's happened with that side this summer, although I, I, I think I saw them and they played 
won the EFL side last week. Um, uh, right call in the end, really, Lewis, given the, the yeah, sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. the criticism yeah. around it. Yeah, it was a difficult um, episode, really, wasn't it? All, all told, obviously, um, initially, Town were due to play Cov Coventry out there, um, which would have been a few reunions involved there, wouldn't they? Given Town's uh, Town signings from the Sky Blues this summer, but for whatever reason, that fixture didn't happen out in uh, was it Benidorm um, near to where Town were based in Valencia, uh, Eastern Spain, and and that friendly didn't happen. So you get you, you kind of get the impression that. Town had to sort of hastily rearrange with a side that were out there and obviously have, have looked at this foreign opposition from Qatar as, you know, as a viable option. It would have been an interesting challenge. I'm sure it would have been a decent challenge from a football perspective, from a physical perspective, them being top top flight side over there. We know the calibre of some of the players they had. But, you know, absolutely fair, absolutely fair play to the um, Proud Salopian supporters group who, um, who raised their... Uh, Sort of concerns of it with, um, as, as they said so well in their statement, you know, Qatar's human rights records on on multiple fronts, really, you know. Um, and I, yeah, obviously it was it was a strange day or so, wasn't it, when Town came back with a statement of their own saying they intend to play with rainbow laces, rainbow armband, and so on. And then, you know, the, the following day of the game um, was obviously cancelled. It, it was a strange, yeah, a strange couple of days. I mean, and, and a bit of um, you know, a lot, a lot was said on certainly online, wasn't it? Um, between, and I know, you know, I know some supporters had obviously booked flights and accommodation to go out, go out there into Spain. You know, on on a premise they were seeing their side play, which is, you know, I'm sure an extremely exciting proposition for for all fans that were going out there. And you know, when you pay, you know, people pay their hard-earned money, don't they? You know, serious cash for those flights and accommodation, and you know, you sort of promised a match, so. I, I do under I, I did understand their frustration and disappointment, but I, I I do think you sort of have to take a step back when something like this is is raised. Um, you know, the, the proud Salopians got some flack wrongly for um, you know people suggesting that they didn't uh, didn't didn't raise the issue for a few days when really they'd got in contact with the club as soon as they they could. You know, and um, some you know people saying that others you know, jumped on a bandwagon to support that fan group, you know, when they'd made their statement. But I think it just, you know, once that statement appeared, you know, perhaps it was timely and it reminded everyone, you know, I know people in the media, you know, other people connect are connected with the club, but other people connected who, um, you know, would say that, you know, it didn't jump to mind straight away as soon as the friendly was announced. You know, you don't necessarily think of that, despite the fact of, you know, there's a huge outcry outrage with you know the world cup being in qatar you don't necessarily think about that i think there was another was it watford who um yeah was it watford who were due to play the qatari national side and i think i'm right in saying and that that got cancelled and then after the town sort of forward then they qatar sc rearranged with crawley didn't they of uh of league two for all of what 12 hours before that was cancelled yeah. as well with an, with an outcry so i think um yeah, I think we'll see English clubs steer clear of that for now, won't they? And I mean, I, I said on, you know, I said in in my reports and that, that I, yeah, I think thought it was the right call for all involved. I'm sure. That, listen, I, I, I'm sure without doubt, town, um, the management and the players would would have rather have had a friendly than another training session. Like, it, it worked out great, and the fans that went to the open training session were looked after, had a great time. 
think it worked out great. You know, from a playing perspective, you'd probably rather rather play a game. You'd rather have that other practice match, that other match minutes in the hot conditions and so on, just to play another friendly, you know, another one under your belt. But uh, it wasn't an ideal situation. I had to come to some sort of, you know, agreement, some sort of I had to make something work, didn't they? And I think they, you know, the training session went well in the end. But yeah, just a, an unfortunate one. It, uh, but yeah, you know, credit to you know the supporters group, as you say, proud Slopins for for calling it out and you know standing up for obviously um, you know what they and what everyone else thinks is right and against you know obviously everything that uh, is wrong where you know where that Qatari team are from. So um, yeah, good to see the right outcome in my opinion come to an end. Disappointed for the fans that didn't get to see a game, but you know here we are. We've got to, I suppose put that episode behind us and. Perhaps everyone involved might learn from it. I think, as I say, I think clubs from England will probably steer clear now for for everyone's sake, not least, I suppose, the PR sake of it. Yeah, I put on social media after that. Obviously, there's a few fans that are a bit annoyed. Yeah, valid points, but let's be honest, Qatar, a team in the Qatar Premier League aren't going to be the greatest. No, yeah, no. That's, that's me. That's yeah. me. That's me, like, not stereotyping, but probably... Might be a bit of a lazy call, but I imagine they're not. But then, if you're going out, you've got an open training session, you've got to meet and greet with the players for quite a considerable amount of time, well, exactly. photograph, signatures, travel to the training base. I'd say South fans arguably got a better end of the deal in the end. Yeah, to be honest. yeah, yeah. It's not, uh, it's not exactly the same as cheering your team on in a game, is it? And like, you know, if I, I don't know for a second what the standard of the Qatari top flight is like. You know, I can't claim to be a, a regular viewer of that, but um. I mean, the fact that they got a, uh, a former Spanish World Cup winner, I think I'm right in saying, uh, within their ranks, obviously, you know, hev- you know, heavily funded, I'm sure, but suggests that there's some quality involved. So I think it would have been a stern enough test, to be honest. But like I say, they, you know, I'm sure they would have preferred a friendly, but, you know, the, 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 the open training, as you say, that, you know, the meet and greet, you know, the photos, the clips we saw of it all, it, it looked great, didn't it? So, you know, I think 30 or 40 fans out there, I think I'm right in saying, got a, you know, got a free free sort of transport bus didn't they and um and a shirt i think i'm right in saying i saw uh you know got got to got to speak with these players they know got to speak with the new players um so yeah they you, you're right they had a great time out there still um but i can I, I, on on the flip side you know when it was all going on and the decision to cancel the game was made and there was a you know a few upset supporters i, I get it because like, like i said at the start they, they paid their money to watch their side play didn't they but yeah, it's an interesting debate, but I, like I say, I, yeah, I think the right decision was made, reached the right outcome, and um, everyone can be happy enough with how it went out there, I think. There we go. I've just missed a couple of points out from the Telford game. Um, Salop oh, yeah. fans will have known they took a while to get into the ground last night, or yes. sorry, Tuesday night. Yeah. But you, you're in the know. You've got the info. What was the problem? Yeah, I... Uh, <laughs> kickoff was obviously half seven, wasn't it? And it got, it got to about seven o'clock, I think. And um, and the Buckshead was still remarkably empty, really. It was, it, you know, dotted with some home Telford fans, wasn't it? Who obviously didn't need to arrive too early, being the home crowd. And um, someone actually in the press box said to me it reminded them of uh, the Buckshead in the in the COVID times, you know, behind closed doors, because because no one was in that away terrace. And and then obviously I'd started to get sort of you know started to read online and get some tweets and stuff that you know fans were being held outside, you know, behind that behind that terrace and you're thinking well, what's going on here you know I'd, I'd read some reports of quite a heavy police presence um we got there early hadn't we johnny so luckily missed 
you know, the hectic traffic, which you kind of knew would happen due to the profile of the match. Um, thankfully, decided to get there early. But yeah, you kind of wondered what, what was going on, why they were being held. And it was, uh, I've had a ask around at Telford. And um, I mean, it was nothing, nothing sinister, nothing planned, obviously. It was just, um, the club just had a slight, I think, logistical problem, really, in terms of their stewarding and the people that are, you know, manning the entrances and stuff. I think, um, you know, I was told they, they, your people arriving, doing the job, arriving late from work. Obviously, their you know their day job, actual work, and obviously the kickoff was brought forward, wasn't it, Johnny? From seven forty-five to seven thirty, which probably had a slight issue with it as well. So I think it was just a a manpower job. I've I've been told just having the the bodies there in place to work and and get things running smoothly. You know, get the right people on the right turnstiles, get the right turnstiles open. Now that's no you know <laughs> that's nothing to appease town fans. You know, obviously they missed. You know, some of them, most got in, I think, but some did miss a good five or ten minutes um, at the start of the game, which which isn't what they'd have wanted, obviously. And I, I know it's not what Telford wanted. I know it wasn't the the greatest situation for for them. Um, but I, but from what I'm told, it was you know, there's no sort of ticketing issues or anything like that, any technology problems, nothing like that. I'm just told it was a manpower sort of problem, you know, not having the the people in place to work the gates and stuff like that, the turnstiles on time. So. Yeah, I, I, when I when I checked that up with Telford, I, I was sort of told that the club had absolutely noted it and and will absolutely push to ensure it doesn't happen again because they don't want that to happen. On what is a big friendly for both, you know, a lot of fans turning up. Obviously, you know, some of some of Telford's bigger National League North games will have similar gate to that, won't they? Around two thousand, maybe a bit more, and they don't obviously want that to go on on a on a Tuesday night game uh, in in the league. So lessons to be learned, but yeah, no, nothing sinister, just a. A logistical one really and getting people who needed to be there you know there in time when when they're you know leaving their nine to fives or whatever we all know what traffic's like these days um so yeah hopefully um it wasn't too bad for town fans but i did feel for them when i saw the pictures of long snaking queues outside the book set and the other thing as Celtic fans have seen last night they were in the old the players were in the last season's kit issues with kit last year were led to believe there might be some similar issues or, or or a bit of lateness this year have you got any updates yeah. on well on that we know people get love love to get in a bit of a tears about a kit yeah um you know and, and i think there's a bit of a split in fans isn't there i mean i'm not going to go too much into that but you know at the, at the end of the day they just want to buy they want to see and judge and make a decision on whether they like it and then buy yeah. the new kit don't they that's what they want to do like and you know i get it and, you know, but I think on the flip side, more importantly, the club, you know, obviously ideally want to have it out there and ready to be bought as soon as possible. You know, if it could be a couple of days after the end of last season, then then brilliant, you know, because it gives people longer to buy it, doesn't it? It makes you more money. The fact that, what is it now? Well, as we speak, it's July the 13th, as this goes out, July the 14th, and the kit isn't around and won't be around. And I know the design's put in and all that, but obviously fans still haven't seen it. They're promised a good design, but they don't know what it looks like. You know, they it's cost obviously it's costing the club, isn't it? You know, it doesn't take a genius to um to work that out. It's it's costing the club. It did last summer. Um and let's be fair as well, this is a very difficult time, you know, post pandemic when clubs are trying to recover financially and use every sort of revenue streams they can to to get vital funds in. You know, it's it's cost the club now, you know, with with Umbro, obviously. Um the new the new partner, the new kit designer, manufacturer, two seasons in a row. And, um, 
you know, a lot of fans have had a lot to say about it and I know a lot are disappointed and rightly so, you know, I'm frustrated by it because while we might say, oh yeah, you know, fans love to, you know, get in an uproar about this. So I think, you know, I think yeah, they got a reputable company on board, didn't they, in Umbro? Um, you know, a, a, you would say global, wouldn't you, in terms of Umbro? Certainly a big European, you know, a big company. Um, certainly within, you know, the British Isles, United Kingdom, a, a reputable uh, sportswear clothing company. And um, it's not been good enough so far, has it? You know, I mean, last, last season was a different kettle of fish. So I'm led to believe that was a tight turnaround. That was quite a late call to go with Umbro from the previous designer. And you're going to get a knockback there because that was a late call. I know I've been told this time around everything was done early to ensure there was no repeat problems. You know, everything was, you know, requests, designs all put through in good time. You know, we've heard that from the chief executive as well, uh, Brian Caldwell. But look, here we are mid-July, um, friendlies underway, pre-season well underway. No sign of it, you know. Are we going to get to what's League One's opening day, July the 31st, 30th, or 31st, 30th? Um, I think it's the 30th this year, isn't it? July 30th, it's early. And, you know, our, our town are away, obviously, at Morecambe and, and the first home game's August the 6th. Are town going to be in their, in their new kit? You know, I, you don't know. I mean, at the moment, from, from what I hear, I mean, I don't, you know, just because I haven't heard the new kit's imminent doesn't mean it won't arrive next week, for example, but I haven't heard anything to say it's imminent. I saw, I read some online, there were a few mumbles last night that it might be well into August, which... It'll be a disastrous, won't it, really, if they're kicking off the new League One season with, you know, playing with the old one last season when we all know a new one's on the way, but it's delayed. Um, yeah, it'd be disastrous, you know, just just from a, you know, just the way it looks, but more importantly, the financial side of it, isn't it? I think both. Um, you know, people will ask why. I know, I know Brian, Brian Caldwell touched towards China and the pandemic, didn't he? And, and that's what I've heard, to be honest. Obviously, I don't claim to know everything that's going on in China regards COVID, but I am told, you know, lockdowns over there, I think, I don't know if they're still going on, but stricter than over here, I think. That's what I'm led to believe. That's what I'm told. Um, and that's had a thing with factories over there, you know, warehouses and stuff and shutting those down, um, which is obviously going to have a knock on with with stuff arriving over here naturally. Now, you know, people will rightly point to, Umbro kits arriving at different clubs in England, which is, you know, is fair enough. Why are we still waiting on towns? I don't know, you know, why we're still waiting on towns and other clubs have got, you know, kits arriving. Now, obviously, town are waiting on a bespoke design, aren't they? You know, last season they had to settle for a, an off-the-peg copy and that was what we saw them in at Telford on Tuesday. Now, are bespoke designs harder to come by, take longer to, you know, manufacture design, all of that, probably, possibly. Um you know, town have promised something good. Hopefully, they get it in the end. But you know, there's no doubt it'll hit. It will have hit them in the coffers a little bit because they've lost a couple of months, two, three months trading time, haven't they? But no, I'm sure when it's finally released, whenever that happens, finally on sale, I'm sure the design will be good. From everything I've heard, it looks really good. Um, I, I actually haven't seen it yet, but I've I've heard good things from people who have seen it. Um, and I'm sure it'll still fly off the shelves when it arrives. It's just. I can understand the frustration, Johnny. I can. And obviously people were thinking, you know, we're we going to get to the first friendly with no new kit. Obviously that happened. I think town, you know, you just hope they get to the first league games with it, don't you? But at this stage, I mean, you wouldn't like to say, would you? And it's disappointing for, for fans. I'm sure it's disappointing for the club as well, but you just hope it can reach some sort of, you know, 
quick rev resolution from where we are now obviously a quick resolution from where we are will still be late but it has been a disappointing start with with umbro there's no getting away from that it's a sad thing to say but i i think i read earlier it was a four-year deal they they got into with umbro um you know a big reputable company i i, I keep saying um so a lot of time ahead to to turn it around make things work obviously they released a, a retro kit didn't they umbro which which supporters really really liked and, and took to so it was good they did some good work on that we just need to see them deliver some good work now both in terms of the design and in terms of getting stuff over on time yeah certainly hopefully that uh, sorts itself out we've got less than 10 minutes to go so i'm going to rattle through these um we touched on the the business itself i've done just want to talk about this a little bit lewis it's something that overheard in conversation last night sort of question asked and you know south have signed some big players for this division this year is it a case of more finances or shrewd business and good contacts from Steve Cottrell and the, and the club and yeah and Caldwell from from what I you know from from what I hear and you know I've, I've no reason not to not to believe it and you know when when you look at things with your own eyes you know yeah yeah good I mean you have to say good contacts to to be in the position where you make the move but you know a few have said haven't they we've reported it from a few you know people we've spoken to over the last couple of weeks you know, players of these caliber. You know, I don't. I don't think they. I don't think they come for. You know what? What wouldn't be deemed good? You know, good money for for Shrewsbury Town. You know, I, which is which is no slight or dig on Shrewsbury Town. Obviously, they're an established League One club now. But you struggle to believe that these players wouldn't have had you know suitors options. Um, so you know, I think I think it's time being ambitious. Um, the club backing the manager and and the board and. Obviously, you look at things like, you know, when, when Steve Cottrell came in, he, he inherited a big squad under Sam Ricketts, a really bloated squad. Now, that's been really cut. As we know, it was a small squad last season. It's probably still, I don't know, just guessing off the top of my head, 10 light of where it was with Ricketts. Maybe not as many as 10, but a, a significant number. Now, you, you've obviously not got as many bodies, so it gives you a bit more leeway with the wage structure, doesn't it? But I, I struggle to believe, I mean, you know, from, from the the bits you sort of hear that these players aren't you know being attracted by the way on good length contracts as well not just the wages good length contracts on what is attractive money for for a club like Shrewsbury you know pushing trying to push the barriers to 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 achieve more you know they, they finished 18th last season and it was 17th the season before and everyone wants better you know they've been at that place in this league for for a long time now long time and you know you you know what what, what have you got to do to um to do better attract better players somehow and it's good that's going to cost cost a bit more isn't it when you got players coming in from coventry when you got players coming in from preston sheffield wednesday you know from the division above um you know they're not going to take massive pay cuts of league two and national league levels to join shoes we aren't are they you know it doesn't take a genius so yeah that they've been ambitious and they're pushing it and they're back in back in the manager and that will obviously you know people look at you'll have seen it online johnny i'm sure i know you have um you know, neutrals or outsiders looking at Shrewsbury with dark horses. Now, I'm not going to say that's, you know, that's fair. Shrewsbury need to be looked at as promotion contenders. But, you know, people will be saying, look at the calibre of players coming in. There's no reason why they can't push the top off. And and even there's no reason why they can't push, you know, a, a playoff push. You know, if they didn't have, a, you know, another sort of disastrous start and, and have a good run and you're in and around the top half, top 10 by the new year, you absolutely have a push for 
for the playoffs, don't you? And try and sneak in there. So, yeah, I think I think they're obviously getting behind the manager, um, backing him, and, and that's what how they've allowed this these caliber of players to arrive. And and you know, good for the management team, the head of recruitment, because. You know, it wasn't that many weeks ago, was it, when only one had arrived and people were sort of clamouring for new faces and we had, was it five in about a week? You know, Aidan O'Brien, another name I haven't mentioned within all of that. You know, X, you know, town got him ahead of some other big suitors, didn't they? X, you know, Millwall, Sunderland, Portsmouth. Um, you know, calibre players and, and we know they still want more. So there's still funds to be spent, you know, and, and I think it's ambition and I don't think any town fans will be complaining about it, will they? Because you have some good calibre, a good profile of player come in and, and hopefully it will mean a better season yeah hopefully and just in terms of um on that topic you know steve cox has obviously done well this summer with his recruitment um just before we wrap up we had our um salop end of season fans survey um yes a couple of weeks ago fans are pretty much approving of cottrell they're, they're pleased with the job he's doing yeah, yeah, we wrote that up, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago now, and um, and there were obviously the the the, uh, the town fans we had, we had a good response of fans voting in, in our surveys. We always tend to, and they were, you know, in favour of the question was regarding the job the manager's done in his eighteen months in charge, hasn't it? And they were in favour of the job he did. You know, it wasn't, you know, an overwhelming majority. You know, in like 90, 10, 80, 20, it was a bit closer than that. But you know, they were they were happy with the the job done in terms of. I suppose that would be from where it was then to to where it is now. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure town fans as a whole weren't happy with finishing 18th last last season. You know, I don't think that's where anyone wanted to finish. But I suppose you look at it, and when the manager came in, you know, town looked a little doomed, didn't they, in League One, where where things were that they only won one in that league season to the point under under um, under Sam Ricketts, so things looked a bit perilous. But obviously, the manager came in and and, and sorted that out. Then had to have time away because of his health, which was which was a difficult period, obviously. Um, so you know his first full season was last season, and look, it just it didn't start well, did it? Last season, it didn't start well by any stretch, and that that had them on the back foot from from the start, sort of chasing the tails, and you always then chasing, striving, you know, for for mid table to try and get close to that twelfth, but always chasing it. You always sort of starting from a a behind position almost and I think they got up to 14th 15th didn't they town and it looked like they, they could really be in a position to push for a 12th but didn't uh didn't quite happen didn't it had a bit of a you know a, to finish didn't win in in sort of half a dozen games and that put paid to that and saw them slip down again so look from where they were to now you know they look at the squad town fans and they'll see a better squad overall so that will go into you know them happy with the job the manager did um, some other interesting votes weren't there and that category I think you know most of the votes were heavily in favour of how things are at the Meadow generally regards you know match day experience and value for money and, and, and prices for tickets things like that I don't think you can really argue with that I think um, you know I think you get good value for money at town um, yeah I think if anything the season ticket numbers are, are lower than what they should be for a club of you know where town are now I think they probably warrant you know more regular support but having said that the average sort of home match day isn't that much lower than pre-covid is it it's stayed around a similar level so club have got to be happy with that um and yeah maybe you know maybe the caliber of players coming in this summer and a, a better start a better season will attract more in you know a few hundred more per game that would be good 
wouldn't it what everyone wants to see but uh, yeah good to get the feedback from the fans always always sort of interesting um don't think too many bombshells in there about what we'd have what we'd have maybe predicted but uh, yeah always nice to do that we haven't had our fan survey for a good i think three years because of the pandemic so that was nice to, to sort of gauge their opinions and see see where things are at it'd be um it'd be interesting to see what what kind of feedback we get you know when towns start playing meaningful games on it the first you know half dozen seven eight games of the season you things start taking shape it'd be very interesting to see what happens yeah, interesting. Um, we're just over time now, but I'm just going to finish with a, on on the fans with a couple of questions from the fans. Oh, yeah. uh, thanks for those who got in touch. Uh, Tom Griff with the first question: um, How much can you actually derive from friendlies? And if not up front or at right wing back, where would you pay, play Raquel Pike this season? It's quite a jump from right wing back to to up front. We know he's playing yeah, in both yeah, positions, yeah. but um, um, how, yeah. how much can you take from friendlies? I, I don't think much at all beyond fitness and, and energy having said that i suppose before the paul hurst season the friendlies went well didn't they um they they had some good results against good sides but again you know does that mean anything i think you can lose friendlies and go and have a great season can't you or or you can win friendlies and how many have times have we seen clubs batter pre-season and then bomb yeah well exactly Loads yeah 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 i you know i really think beyond fitness minutes you know then a bit of tactic stuff in the later friendlies you don't take too much good for fans to see new faces and, and see what they're about but players to get to know each other that kind of thing but certainly from these opening friendlies you know when you play sides of a lower level I think it's very much about uh, about the minutes and a question on Pike well we spoke about him haven't we I mean I you know Elliot Bennett had an excellent season at right wing back Julian De Costa a natural right wing back has been brought in so I mean you'd have to have him as third in that particular particular pecking order wouldn't you and then you look at his natural role up front and there are there are four other centre forwards in at the moment. You'd have to say ahead of him, and and you know from reports and what we gather, Town still want another one. So, um, you know it's 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 looking difficult for for him. Um, obviously spent periods of last season out on loan at Scunthorpe, who had it tough themselves. Um, though it remains to be seen. He, he's in the final year of his contract, isn't he, Raquel Pike? And you know I'm not by any means saying I, I don't expect to see him at the club come the end of the transfer window. Um, but I think for maybe all involved, certainly himself, to be playing football, that he, he might be content being at Shrewsbury and not playing as much. You know, we don't know. We haven't had the chance to speak to him. But, um, yeah, if he wants to be playing regular football, I'd, you'd say he'd have more of a chance of doing that elsewhere, wouldn't you? Um, so that remains to be seen, um, you know, because Town is still, as we say, actively looking up front and, and right wing back seems well stopped as well. So, yeah, cheers, Tom, for the question. But, I yeah, you'd say you know, maybe a, a place on the bench if if they're light with injuries and suspensions, that kind of thing, and maybe a shot in the trophy games. But but we'll see, I suppose. We'll see what happens with Raquel. Yeah. And just a uh, second question, second and final one, James Archer. Um, why did we not hear anything from the manager last night? Um, well, he, he spoke, didn't he? He spoke to the club, I should say. Yeah. Sorry, he spoke to the club media lads. Uh, myself and the radio were... Um, we're speaking to the Telford manager after the game, and we we did you know we did think we we might get a Shrewsbury player, but in the end the manager spoke with um, with the club, and and that audio was uh, uh, that stuff was published Wednesday Wednesday morning after the game. Um, but yeah, I mean they've been in they were in preseason for a week, weren't they? Then they went away to Spain where where we didn't go. I can't I can't speak for the club and why the manager you know, didn't give any, you know, didn't give an interview to the club while they're out there or anything. That's obviously nothing to do with us as, you know, a different party at the start. Um, 
you know, last season's pre-season under Steve Cottrell, you know, there were post-matches where we spoke to players, you know, and not the manager. I think, you know, just keep things low-key and under wraps until the season starts. You know, I imagine that could be the case. You know, we were told, I think I can say that, you know, there might be a chance we get um, a chat, a conversation, you know, after the game on, on Friday, an interview, hopefully. But again, if that doesn't happen, that, that you know, that won't be a surprise. That's their prerogative, isn't it? It'd be, it'd be nice to be able to ask a few questions, obviously, for the first time on, on the new recruits and stuff. But, you know, it's just how you know each club, each management decides to work, isn't it? It's um, something the club and the manager control and, and not us. So, obviously, good good to hear him speak to the club. And he, he gave a few interesting comments, I thought. So, yeah, look forward to the first chance we get. And um, hopefully it's not too far away. Hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, as we said, Cardiff Friday. Uh, sorry, Burnley Friday. Then they've got Cardiff after that. And uh, we'll be yeah. back. In a couple of weeks' time, that's episode two of Shrew's Views um, as the pre-season prep continues ahead of that opening day of the season. So far, it's been positive. Um, will it get even better? Hopefully it will for Salop fans. As we said, thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks. So from me and Lewis, it's goodbye until next time.